Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Um, for those of you who have children listening, please get them away from your, your laptop or whatever you're listening on. Um, this is not a conversation for little ears. Uh, my guest today is one of the people who I love the most in my whole life, um, both as a person and as a writer. Joe Clifford um, started his life off, uh, or part of his life in the 90s, as a homeless junkie, but turned his life around, um, went to rehab for the final time, and ended up getting his Master of Fine Arts from uh, a school very near and dear to my heart, Florida International University, um, where he was in classes with Dennis Lehane and people like uh, Les Standiford and others were and were his teachers. Um, he wrote an autobiographical novel called Junkie Love, which he just updated. I wholeheartedly recommend this book to you. It is fiercely sad, fiercely raw, but fiercely funny as well. Um, Joe's written quite a few novels. Um, his most popular novel is called Lamentation, the beginning of the Jay Porter series. His newest book is called Skunk Train. Welcome back to Authors on the Air, Joe. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Pam. You know, you're welcome here anytime you want, even if you want to just chat about everything or nothing. It's fine with me. I love having you well, here. It's nice to it's nice to feel wanted. Thank you. <laughs> You know, um, seems to me, I, I mean, I know you well enough to know that you are an artist of with multiple talents. Um, you've always been a reader. Even when you were homeless, you read whatever you could. But you also are a musician and actually have um, kind of a, a semi-band that you perform with occasionally. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, I, I still play music. I still, um, I still write songs. I, I plan on doing another record one of these days uh you know it's not it's not for everyone but I, I love it uh it was you know my first uh my first um real passion you know coming out of coming out of high school i want to be yeah. a rock star which I, I think is the the most honorable job there is of course uh, it is you know nothing wrong with yeah. that so you live the lifestyle without being the rock star and um and then decided to get sober and get straight and go to school to get your master's in fine arts. Um, did you like living in Florida? Oh, no, I fucking hated it. I fucking could not really? stand Florida. Uh, I can't stand living anywhere. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a happy person and, uh, and I'm not, I'm not happy now. I wasn't fucking happy in Connecticut. The problem is that wherever you go, there you are. Uh, Miami <laughs> was uh, particularly tumultuous because I, you know, I went through divorce and I was starting that motorcycle accident. I mean, I feel like I rehashed the same, fucking three stories, but I mean, you know, it's pretty much drug addiction, divorce, and fucking almost dying in a motorcycle accident. Uh, wow. and, and, and really all that stuff happened in Florida. There was a really bad, uh, relapse. There was a really bad accident. There was a really bad, not that they, those two were tied together, but a really bad divorce. My second wife was a fucking, uh, <laughs> piece of work. And, um, so yeah, it was, it was fucking horrible. I mean, it was, I can't, I can't think of a, of a rougher three years. And that includes my, uh, my time being homeless. Of course, that's probably hyperbole as well, because you know now that it's raining in January in fucking the Bay Area and I'm freezing my ass off. I remember being outside in this shit, and so that was pretty bad. Uh, I've had like six good years. I can tell you every good year I've had. I could I could name them: eight, twelve, right? I did, sixteen was okay, and then I had forty through forty-four. Those were the good years, 
and maybe maybe 34 if you if you count before you know everything went to hell uh, when I first started going back to school. Uh, that was all right, but yeah, outside of that, the rest the rest of them have been colossal disasters. But you have had some highlights. Um, you have two gorgeous sons that adore you and you adore. You've got a beautiful wife, Justine. And you had an absolute blast on your Italian tour, didn't you? Oh, God, I love that fucking place. Yeah, I loved Italy. <laughs> Italy Italy was awesome. Italy, Italy, Italy was what I thought being uh, a writer was going to be. I went there, and like pretty girls would show up, and they'd show up early, and they don't want to take pictures with me. And it was like two weeks of going to like readings and and places would be packed and there'd be radio interviews and TV interviews and like famous authors had read my work and they wanted to talk about my work and then people in the audience would know stuff about my work like deep cut stuff like you know symbolism on page four and the shoes on page seven matching the you know the the paper being read on page seventy six stuff that you do as an author you think no one is going to notice you think no one's going to notice all this stuff and they don't. And then uh, you, you know, in Italy, they really, they really love American crime writers, and they have great coffee uh, and beautiful people. And uh, Marty was fantastic; uh, he's the uh, owner of Casa Serio. And uh, yeah, I was hoping to go back this year, but you know, it was during my wife's busy season at work, and, and last year kind of threw her for a loop. And uh, so this year there was a kind of a moratorium on, on going anywhere. Uh, no Miami Book Fair, no Italian tour. Uh, Sanibel Island was canceled, so um, I've been pretty much housebound for several months now and uh, kind of losing my mind. Wow. Well, I was look- Joan and I were looking forward to you coming down to Sanibel Island for sure. That was going to be the highlight, but I'm and I'm sorry it was canceled. But, you know, with, uh, <laughs> with well, Tom all the crap. Tom DeMarchi said it's on for next year. He said it's on for next Pardon year. Me? We're doing yeah. that. Tom DeMarchi said it's on for next year. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that yet. But according to Tom, it's it's a go, so it'll be happening next year. So I'll be in Sanibel Island, and, and I can't wait. Uh, That'll be great. It should be, should, be, should be great. It'll be great. It'll be loads of fun, and it's 20 minutes from where I live, so that'll be even better. Even better, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, since you've had your kids, does it change the way you want to write? Does it influence anything in your writing, Joe? You know, that's that's hard. I mean, I I would like to say that you know having kids and, and this kind of switch went on and I became just like a nicer person or shit or or you know I saw the world in a different way and now I see like you know, you know puppies and rainbows and shit I, I don't I mean I still see the same same world I've always seen which is which is you know I, I, I you're wired a certain way and, and that's how you're wired and, and and that's how you're wired I mean I, I take my job as a dad. You know, it's the, it's the most important job I have, you know, because someday I'm not going to be here, and my job isn't to be their friend. My job isn't to be their pal. My job is to teach them the things they need to know before I'm gone so that when I am gone, they can survive this, this world on their own. That said, my views, my uh, life philosophy, my attitudes uh, don't really go in line with a lot of people. You know, like I don't, I don't give a shit if they swear. Like they can swear around me all they want. I don't care. Like it's a fucking word. Like I don't under. Like I mean, being a decent person what matters more. So, you know, you have all these like the people I grew up in my hometown. You know, all these fucking Christian people, right? That are that are you know like, against gay wedding or something. Like, like all these things that, that that have nothing to do with with morality or decency. And that's how I was raised, right? Because that's how right. That's the world I grew up in. 
and I don't want to raise my kids. I mean, my mother was, you know, she's a fucking living saint, or she's not anymore a living saint because she's dead, but she was a wonderful woman, right? But she was right. still immersed deeply in that evangelical shit, and um, and I, I just, I don't, you know, how I grew up in that town, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want that for my kids. You know, I want, I want to be authentic. I want to be genuine. I want them to be, you know, with compassion and empathy, and not learn to hate, and not grow up fearing the other, and not growing up, you know, hating things because they're different or you know, understanding that it's a big world and everyone has different ideas and I don't have to like this person and they don't have to like you, but we have to share the fucking planet. So, like, let's come up with a few rules to get along and try to be decent to each other. You know, be kind, right. in the words of Frank Turner. Uh, be more kind. Right. Uh, you know, kind of, kindness costs nothing. So, um, yeah. I know that you get, a, you get a lot of flack. You get a lot of flack on Facebook and other social media sites because your kids cusp. I think it's kind of funny, and I've never really cared, you know, about <laughs> – I've never really cared. Words are just words. It's how you use them. So uh, if you're mean to someone, you don't have to curse to be mean. So it, you're right. It's just a word. It's just a word. Yeah, I, you know? yeah. Who, so. who knows? I mean, everybody has. I mean, everybody. You know, it's, it's the it's the line, right? Everybody's the hero in their own story. Everyone thinks they're doing the right thing. Nobody wakes up trying to do the wrong thing, except you know the you know I've always said Dick Cheney. You know, he wakes up, I think, and knows he's evil. But everybody else, right? <laughs> they wake up and they try to do the right thing. They they really do. Like even you know the asshole we got in office now. I think in his right. mind he thinks he's right. I don't think he wakes up going like, oh, I'm gonna be a shitty person today. Like he, right. he's trying to do the right, which that's the scary part, right? Is because everybody's trying yeah. to do the right thing. And we all have different ideas of what the right thing is. And then you let us loose here and you say, okay, let's all mix and get along and mix and mingle and do these things. We'll walk around here, walk around there. And, and, and you're basically, you know, it's like putting a bunch of fucking bees in a jar and shaking it. Right. And then right. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. everyone, everyone has stress. Everyone has, everyone's life is hard. And you, I was you know, driving down the road and somebody was behind me yesterday and I didn't go right on red fast enough. Right. And the guys, you know, arms are up in the air. And one of these days, one of these days, you know, like I'll stop the car and fucking get out, and that'll be it. You know, like and who yeah. knows when the day's gonna be? Because like we're all exactly. we're all like that. We're all so we're all, fucking um, high strung and so much pressure right. to, to live, and it's hard for everybody. You know, so it is. I don't know. Even if you have the cheeriest outlook in the world, it's still hard for everyone. I agree with you on that. I don't um, trust those people. <laughs> You know, the live, the live, laugh, love people. Live, laugh, love, and they got you know all this fucking positive affirmations hanging on their fucking wall. I don't, I don't. There's no fucking way anybody is that happy. I just don't <laughs> believe it. I don't. I don't. Not if you well, pay attention. How could you possibly? How could you possibly be? Well, and that like, you just said it though. The ones that, if you're paying attention, you can't. You have to have some amount of awareness of what's going on around you. Um, I want to go back to the Italian tour because. Lamentation in the Italian in Italian was one of your highest selling books, wasn't it? Yeah, that was great. Yeah. I want to go back to the Italian tour. We can talk about the Italian tour the entire entire time today. That was the fucking best two weeks of my life. I knew it at the time it was happening. I was like, I knew it was fucking something special. It was really fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it um, sold well. I know that you you did a lot of press. Uh, you posted a lot of pictures. You still in your memories from Facebook. You still post them. You still talk about them. So I'm glad you had that good experience. Um, I want to talk to you about Skunk Train because this book feels 
um, a little bit different than what you've written before, but it isn't really. Um, it is getting back to maybe more noir than than Lamentation to me was not. Lamentation was not noir at all, in my opinion. Um, but but this one feels like it is. Was that your intention? Well, I wrote those two books at the same time. I wrote Lamentation and Skunk Train at the same time, and then I had to pick basically which which book to you know start my career with. And then with Lamentation, I thought it was more commercially viable. And also, you know, Skunk Train has this weird this weird YA hybrid. So you have you know kids having sex and doing drugs and and, and things that just don't make. You know, it's not comfortable for booksellers and publishers and agents and editors, especially if you don't have a name. So I just figured it was easier to make my name with Lamentation, and it worked. You know that worked out fine. Um, in a lot of ways, I think Skunk Train is a better book. Uh, I think it's a harder book. I think it's more involved. Um, I don't know if I'd say it's more noir. I think it's uh, it's more layered. Uh, Lamentation was a was a simpler sort of direct approach. You know, a story two brothers. When we had the first person person point of view, and so when you have that, you you're not. I don't know. Uh, it's it's more streamlined the process. I think uh, where yeah. Skunk Train is is multiple points of view, third person, and and just technically. Uh, you know, it's, it's more. There's more plot. There's more twist. There's more. Um, Skunk Train probably has more in common with my new book, The Lake House, that comes out with Polis in September, than it does Lamentation. Even though I wrote the two books at the same time, but you know, also you know, Lamentation and Skunk Train both have unlikable protagonists. You know, the one that got away also has a you know quote unquote unlikable protagonist. If I hear one criticism more than any other, it's that my you know protagonists aren't likable. Uh, I don't write likable people. I don't know many likable people. I'm probably not a likable person. Uh, if you judge by my friends' wives' reactions to me, I'm not. I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> you know, I mean, some people are, are warm and cuddly and I'm not that way. So, I mean, I've always found the losers and the fuck-ups and the ne'er-do-wells that those are the people that interest me. Um, I've gravitated toward them my whole life. Uh, and, and I, I just don't have much use for, you know, it's great. If you can hold down nine to five and you can do your job and you pay your bills and you, you know, that whole thing, that's wonderful. And the world needs more people like that. They certainly need less people uh, like me, but I, I don't have much in common with them because that's not how I'm put together. I, I just don't, I'm mm -hmm. not. So the stories I tell, the stories I find interesting are the ones where, where you have people who are sort of living in a life of extremists, right? Where they're, they're on the fringe, they're on the edge. They're not, uh, the you know the relationships are fractured. Uh, they're wounded. Um, right. Quote uh, the great Russell Banks. Yeah. Um, this your best friend Tom Pitts probably loves this book. Does he? He does love this book. As a matter of fact, in fact, Tom wrote Tom and I wrote two books at the same time. And this one we had the same agent, and uh, and we didn't read either book. I didn't mean I hadn't read his. He hadn't read mine, and then and we both went to, turned it into our agent. She was like, "You guys have got to stop reading each other's books." And we're like, "We didn't this time." Like, because <laughs> we basically wrote we wrote a story about a guy, you know, two, a teenage love story, or his right. I think his segments were a little older, but you know, still the pot trade and the drugs. There were so many similarities between the books we wrote, but we also spent, you know, a good chunk of the '90s together, hold up in fucking hepatitis heights, talking about this shit. So, yeah, there's gonna be. There's gonna be overlap or great minds think alike and but yeah, Tom's always like Tom's always like the um I mean he's always he's been nothing but a supporter, but he's always like, you know, junkie love and in and the in the books that uh Down and Out is putting out, the ones that didn't quite get um you know, the attention, the the one that got away in Occam's Razor and, and Skunk Train, uh, because mm -hmm. they're not quite as commercially uh you know, when I, when I, you know, I don't think commercial, you know, commercial is a dirty word. 
and uh, when I was writing Lamentation, I, I certainly tried to be a little more commercial, you know, and pay attention to the fact that, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'd like to make some money at this. Um, right. I'd like to. I, mean, I don't think that's something's a bad thing. James Patterson's a fucking genius. I mean, the guy fucking figured out how to write a fucking bestseller. If I could do it, I'd do it. Um, but yeah, I think Tom likes these books because they're a little, little. They, they, I don't pay attention as much to audience response or viewer reaction and. And and that appeals to Tom's old punk sensibility, where it's kind of like you know, fuck everyone else, do do what you believe, you know. Right. Uh, and I've always kind of been a little more polished, I guess, than that. Well, I like this book. Um, it's a lot of fun, and um, it did. I did remind me of 101, so I will tell you that. But it's its own unique story. Um, and so, why don't you kind of give a little synopsis of its listeners? Uh, well. Uh, it's the story of Kyle Gill. He lives up in the Humboldt Wilds, and I wrote this in 2010, so this was before pot was legal. Uh, and uh, Kyle lives with his cousin Deke, who's about 10 years older than he is, and he's kind of his legal guardian uh, because Kyle's father, a uh, famous Hollywood director, basically wants nothing to do with him. And that's the story Kyle's always been told. Uh, so what happens is uh, Deke and his partner Jimmy come across uh, uh, some some uh, marijuana from their dealer. Um, and, uh, there's three dead bodies inside and they take the, the pot and try to, to try to, uh, make a quick deal. turns out that's uh, dirty cops buying the money, buying the, uh, the pot. And so what, everything, you know, goes wrong from there. And, and Kyle flees, he gets the money, Deke dies and, uh, in the shootout with the dirty cops. And then and Kyle finds himself in San Francisco where he meets Lizzie Decker, who's kind of, uh, the exact opposite of of him, you know, uh, a girl from the the right side of the tracks. So you you've got that that sort of love story, and and uh, you know, and you got the cartel following him, you got the dirty cops following them, and you got Jimmy now on them, and uh, it's really, you know, it's, and that sounds you no, know, but uh, if I could describe it as anything, it'd be like making Nora's infinite playlist, you know, with drugs and and and, and shit, because there's a lot of indie pop music, there's a lot of, uh, it's a love story. I mean, it's you know, it's like Rocky's not. A, Rocky's a love story in it, and this is a love story with drugs and, and killing and shit in it. But it's hard. It's a love story. It's a coming of age story. Bill Dunn's romance. It's a uh, it's a boy who um is figuring out his place in the world and, and where he belongs and what he wants to do and who he wants to be, and uh, you know the burdens placed on you by by a society if you necessarily fit in, uh, which you know that probably sounds a little familiar from what I was saying five minutes ago. Um, right. And yeah, so. so yeah, and, and Lizzie's story and uh, the skunk train. Uh, it's an actual train you can take, and it's an actual hotel, uh, motel up north. But uh, or it's the novel you're fading again. Northern California. So, okay. Yeah, stay still, because you're moving around and yeah. you're fading. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm. I'm there I'm you go. Trying That's... not to breathe heavy because I have this fucking deviated septum problem. So the skunk <laughs> train. Anyway, they start. It starts up in Humboldt and and. and uh, Southern California, so I wanted that to mirror, you know, the the trip to mirror not only, you know, geographically you're going. Uh, so yeah, that's the book, and uh, came out a couple weeks ago, um, and uh, yeah, available at fine retailers everywhere. There you go. It's you're right. There are a lot of layers to this story. There are a lot of characters in and out of the story, and um, it is. Not as straightforward a book as Lamentation. Um, you've let me read Occam's Razor. Same thing. It is not a straightforward story. And I also have read um, Lake House. 
which is a very different book from anything you've ever written. And I hope that um, when the time comes, you're going to come back and we'll talk about it. But it was a phenomenal book. Uh, one of my favorites that you've, and you know, I've written, I've read everything you've ever written. So, so. Well, thank you. I, I thought, I thought it was going to be, you know, I wrote that book on, on a high speed train in Italy. I thought that was going to be the book that was going to um, catapult me. I sent it to uh, you know a very big agent at the time who wanted to read it and uh, ultimately did not take it. And uh, that was that was. I mean, I, you know, your life is you got all these things going on, right? And and this confluence of events. And and I'm in Italy, and it's still you know the thing with my brother's still fresh. And I think everybody knows right. about that. Um, right. And so I'm, I'm writing this book, and you're just everything had lined up to be this moment. Um, where I was going to turn it into the agent, he was going to take it, and then I was going to get my money. Right? Like, you know, that, that's how it's going to work, right? What am I going to do with all this fucking money as an author? Uh, but it didn't work that way. And so, you know, the day I got that rejection letter, I was on the golf course, uh, you know, down the street, and uh, my, my club over there, and, uh, you know, it was my buddy Eric, and we just uh, we were just drinking beer, and I was like, pulled it, you know, kind of on a whim. I was like, hey, dude, I got a book you wanted. And I was sort of surprised, uh, you know, he wanted to read it because I didn't think he would. I mean, I just I didn't think he uh, I was on his radar quite as much as uh, I guess I was. And so, but he loved it. He snatched it up, and it's coming out with Polis now. So that's awesome because they're fucking doing great things. And uh, yes, they are. Uh, you know, they're in every you know getting awards left and right, and and, and getting the attention left and right. So and he really you know believes in, in the book. So that's great. So you know, you go from this horrible day where everything's going wrong to within a few minutes everything's going right and um you know it's sort of the life of the indie writer yeah so we'll see how it happens i uh i love it I, it's, it's a domestic psychological thriller it's very much cut from the same cloth as mary kubica and wendy walker and jennifer hillier and all these people you, you hear me talk about all the time uh you know emily, emily carpenter uh because i just think you know women writing domestic psychological thrillers is all i read it's all i read it's all i care about um and it's what I want to write, and so I hope I can, you know, it's, you know punch it's my a, and it, Well, I will tell you that, you know, I'm I'm usually I will tell you how I feel about your books, and when you called and told me the agent didn't take it, I I had all kinds of nasty words about him because I thought it was a fantastic book. Oh no, he's a, he's and a I great. Know, I mean, I, I don't want this to sound bitter. Hold on, I, I mean, I, last month like he he read it and he's a really awesome guy, and uh, like right. I'm tremendously grateful that he wanted to read it and it just goes to you know it goes to show you that um it's just how the, it's how this business works it, i mean it's subjective but it's also you got to be realistic you know and everybody's not going to love everything you love and and and, and yeah that, it hurt but it hurt on a level that it hurts because we're sensitive people and you, and you know you put so much of something of yourself into these works and when it's not received that way yeah it, it feels like a personal attack because so much of you is personally in there, but yeah. I don't want to make it in any way sound like no. The, I mean, the agent's fucking awesome. He's a great no, the agent is a is a is a great are. agent. There's no doubt about it. But I was still ticked off at him when you told me that he didn't take the book <laughs> because <laughs> I think I'm the only one who encouraged you out of all your first readers, you know. And I said, man, this is awesome. I read that sucker in one sitting. You I were love that. Definitely, book. yeah, yeah. You were definitely <laughs> uh, one of the biggest proponents. Uh, but um. Yeah, it's, it's just it's 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 timing. It's where things go on, and and you yep. end up where you're supposed to be. And uh, yep. it generally doesn't happen where you're like, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna sit down and write the bestseller now, and here it is, and and this is the time. It's um, you right. know, James Patterson's a a unique uh, unique success story. 
Um, Absolutely. I mean, there's that line, you know, that line in Pulp Fiction where where, where uh, Marcellus Wallace says to Bruce Willis, he's like, you know, let's face it, if it was going to happen for you, it probably would happen by now. You know, when, there you go. To, you know, throw the fight. So, what can you do? Well, I mean, the you know, you're always hoping matters, to be the next one. There are yeah. a lot of best-selling authors that it's taken 20 years for them to, you know, be secure in what they're doing. So, and and 20 years to get published. So, it, not everybody hits it off on the first chance. As a matter of fact, very few people hit it out of the park the first time around. But you know, like. Our friend Rob Hart, who now is doing great things because of the warehouse, um, he was the same way, you know, working working his ass off trying to get his books published. And well, that's, a, um, that's a brilliant idea too. He he came up with a yeah. brilliant idea at the right oh, time. Oh, he did. And he's a great fucking writer. And yeah, so I mean, everything that happens. And he's a nice that, guy too. Yeah. You know, he's a nice guy he's, to boot. And I'll tell you so. something else. He's got the fucking best mustache of anybody in the crime anybody. writing world. His his <laughs> like I couldn't. Somebody was like. You should have a mustache. I can't. I don't. I have not earned the right to wear that kind of mustache. That's a mustache you wear when you fucking sell your book to twenty fucking foreign countries, and Ron Howard options your your thing into a movie. That's you can right. wear that mustache. And you wear a pink jacket yeah. to your television interview. It's, it's, fucking, it's, it's a sweet stash. Every time I see it, I'm like, holy shit. I mean, I know you talking about his writing, but I, I love that mustache. I've always wanted a mustache. I tried to have a mustache for a while. I had one for like. Two hours, and my wife just came home and was like, "No, that's that's, that's you, you're a fucking mid list indie author. No, 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 no. Uh, that's so funny. I want to circle back around to your MFA. Never mind Miami, my hometown. But you know, as you know, I don't live there anymore. It, it's just got to. It is a hard town to live in. Um, what did you take away that works for you every single day, or when you're writing from your MFA? Oh, I mean, I was, if I hadn't gone to to Florida I, internationally, I would not be, I would not be a writer. I mean, I, everything I learned about writing comes from Lynn Barrett, uh, in particular. Uh, she's an amazing uh-huh. teacher. Her her understanding of plot and her, you know, her ability to convey um, ideas is she's a genius. She really is. Um, and uh, yeah, she somehow because I I had a very hard time with causality and she found a way to get through my, my, my thick skull. Cause obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not the easiest person to be around and I'm a little obstinate and I, you know, I fought her tooth and nail, but she was, um, she was great. And, uh, I owe everything to her. Um, so yeah, Florida international, they, they're the ones who were like, you know what, this literary fiction stuff you're writing, it's, you know, about these two guys in a coffee shop who talk for fucking 87 pages. It's all nice. And you can write a pretty sentence, but nothing's fucking happening. It's not a story. Um, right. You should think about writing genre because there were elements of noir in there because that's all I read is noir. That's all I read is right. noir and thriller and mystery. I read very few literary fiction books. Um, uh, you know, my favorite books, Catching the Rye and, you know, I love On the Road and, and that sort of thing. But most of the right. books that really grab my attention, the, the ones where I, you know, devour them tend to be mysteries and thrillers. So yeah. I had, you and know, you I had like the psychological thing. aspect of, of those books, though. You like that um, <clears throat> maybe, you know, the the narrator is kind of, you know, questionable and all. But I, I think every time I hear you rave about a book, it is a psychological thriller. And you are a big fan of women writers, which makes me love you even more because um, there are so many who are threatened by the fact that there are so many great women thriller writers. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, kudos to you for that. Um, Joe, when you look at your writing, do you see 
when you look back at your stories, do you see plot holes or character holes? Are you critical of your writing? Are you are you certain that you wrote it the best way you could at the time? You know, how do well, you look at your past hour, books? Which, which hour of the day you're asking me that question? Ah, I mean, okay. You know, it's yeah, it's uh, you know, there's you know, there's a you know, the alcoholic thing, the piece of shit, the center of the universe, which I which I fully embody. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I vacillate between thinking I'm you know the greatest living human being since Van Gogh or. or Da Vinci, or, and then think I'm a worthless piece of shit. And it, usually within an hour, I go to both those places. It's mental illness is a horrible thing, fam. It really is. It's yeah, a, no, I understand. Um, you know, and and you have it, and it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't go away. And it, you can go to therapy, you can take pills, you can take medication, but like being mentally unwell, which I've never really been mentally stable, um, that's just what you're working with. So, I yeah, I mean, as far as plot holes themselves, I worked really hard. I worked really hard on plot. I used to think a plot was a dirty word, and then thanks to Lynn Barrett, I realized that people read for story, uh, and all your little pretty sentences, nobody gives a shit. Like, Dan Brown's not selling billions of copies because he writes a pretty sentence. He can write right. a great plot, and that's why people read the books. So right. um, I work really hard to get the plot down, and then I go back, and, I, and then I spend months you know, laboring over the, uh, the sentence structure and the syntax uh, because for me, I can't, I can't stand it if, my, if every sentence isn't perfect. So the thing that really will, will stand out to me is when I read a book later on in mine, if I'm reading a, doing a reading or, or whatever, reading an excerpt in, in the sentence that didn't get polished quite enough, that's what, that's what I, I'll notice more than really? the character holes. Uh, and it stands out. Cause, yeah, because the rhythm, there's cadence, there's balances. Yeah, a perfect sentence every time. You're not going to get a perfect sentence for 300 fucking pages. You're not. But I strive right. to have a perfect sentence every sentence. Uh, so when I see one that that went through and you're like, ah, geez, that's clunky, uh, that bugs me. That'll, that'll stick. Um, but everything bugs me, you know. Oh, so that's true. It, being a winner. <laughs> it's just Joe, Joe being Joe, as I've told you Joe for years being now. Joe, yeah, it's my <laughs> myriad ex-wives would attest. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you came back to talk to me about this and just to talk about things in general. Um I know that you know you, we we've talked often about mental illness and all, but you also have a very debilitating injury, and I think that you know, you've said it over and over again, and that does that compounds not having a really terrific day. Um, are you finding any type of treatment? I know you started some type of new treatment. Is it helping you at all? Uh, no, <laughs> my bones are degenerating. It sucks. It sucks. I mean, it, it, it's, it's exercise is really important. I can't exercise every day because something is breaking down. I'm going to see a doctor about hormones and all that crap. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm 50 years old, and and you know, like when you break your back and you shed your like you you shed your pelvis, your gait's screwed up, so that affects this, and then you're never quite balanced right. And I've always had shitty posture, and I don't know. It's it's sort of terrifying how fast um, my body seems to be breaking down because they told me this was going to happen after the accident. And I, I kind of was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, somebody else is going to die. I'm not going to die. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it sucks. So I got to I know, you know work on that. everybody tells you, everybody you. tells you go and do yoga and you know, you're adamantly opposed to doing yoga, but you did write to me that you were meditating, which I had to laugh out loud about because yeah. <laughs> that's how desperate times you come. And they become yeah. so desperate. I actually fucking did yoga for fucking three three months with those. Yeah, I've done it. I did it. I did it. And it's all right. It's all right. It's not like it didn't do anything. It's all right. It's just not 
not the cure all. You know, it's not like uh, well, it's know, it's not it, it's yoga or fucking yeah. You're you're you just too hyper for that area. stuff anyway. You're just too hyper for that anyway. I I, I can't imagine you. Sweaty people. Pardon me. Yeah. I don't be in a room full of sweaty people. They sweat. They smell. But I do like, you know, this, the girls are pretty, though. That's half the fun. You get to go there. And when you're married, you know, you can't do anything besides look. So yoga girls tend to be, you know, it's, it's something nice. But then you're that creepy guy in yoga looking at the girl. You know, some fucking 50. You know, and I'm sure I'm not the most subtle, uh, you know, casting no, sideways glances. Um, so, There's nothing uh, subtle yeah, about you, Joe. Nothing. Nothing. No. 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 <laughs> that, they lack that is social not. Social graces. And, yeah. That's not, not in your totally. lexicon for sure. Why well, you can house? always. You can watch it on, but put that big screen TV to use and put some videos up there of yoga when no one's around and you know sweat your ass off to the oldies, whatever you have no, to right? do. It's it's, it's it's hard and yeah, stretching. Oh. I don't have a lot of balance. Yeah. It's kind of goofy too. Well, yeah. All right. Tell everybody goofy. where they can find you on the web and in social media. My fucking Wikipedia page. My, there you my go. Wikipedia page. <laughs> Just I was going to tell this. I told this story last week. I met my. I have a new friend Heather, who I met at uh, at BoucherCon. Heather Heather uh, Harper Ellett, who um, is another Pol- uh, Polish author. And uh-huh. when she asked me who I was, my first thing I said to her was, "I have a Wikipedia page," which she took as being like I was. You know, being arrogant or something, or, or I was offended, but no, I'm just like, so excited to have a Wikipedia page. Uh, I feel as <laughs> though it legitimizes, it makes <laughs> makes it all worse. Because I'm, I'm a somebody, you know, like I'm Nathan Art Johnson. The phone book came, and there I am. You can't take that away from me. They can't take it away from me. They probably eventually will. But um, I do like having a Wikipedia page. So there you, just there you go. Just Google and you'll find me. Yeah. There Go-ing you go. Website and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and Joe does have a website. It's just JoeClifford.com. Yeah. But go to Wikipedia for crying out loud. I mean, yeah, give yeah. the man some love, you know, and then tell I him do, you went I and looked at it. <laughs> I do love Wikipedia. And then write me some lonely, a sad, lonely, broken down old man. <laughs> there you go. Joe, I love you. <laughs> I, uh, I love you too. I hope you have a wonderful holiday, my friend, and we will be talking either sometime before the new year or shortly after the new year. For sure, I want you to come back. Thanks for being with me, Joe, and my love to uh, Justine and the boys. <laughs> okay? Okay. I'll, I'll see you soon. Right. Okay. Thanks, Joe. And thanks for listening, everybody. Right. I hope you have a happy holiday, and thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.